Hi, I'm Bob Eckplan. Welcome to my podcast, Disciple. Word, Spirit, Justice, Witness. We've been going through John's Gospel lately, and I continue to be really moved by it. I've been reading it together with a bunch of Russian recovery guys in Krasnodar every Tuesday night. And we've been just going through usually 10 to 20 verses. And, and then on Wednesday afternoons at our Tierra Nueva Bible study, we've been looking at it as well. And um, I've just found myself reading and rereading um, John 12 through 16 and really trying to understand what, what Jesus is saying. And it's so difficult. Um, you know, some of Jesus' sayings, teachings, um, you know, we, we want to understand them with our intellect. And uh, I certainly do. I'm, I'm trying to understand the logic and, and really, I guess, get the teaching. And yet so much of it really um, is beyond what I can really get my head around intellectually. It requires a deeper contemplation. And there's a lot of tensions within the text. It's, I think John's Gospel is brilliantly written. And I just want to give you some examples of it um, right now. And um, I want to talk about this in the light of some um, issues in our world right now that are deeply disturbing. You know, um, I love this scripture in John chapter 14, where Jesus says that I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper that he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth. And, um, you know, this is talking about the Holy Spirit. Right, Jesus pouring out the Holy Spirit. And the thing that I really find so disturbing right now is that so many of the people that are that claim to be filled with the Holy Spirit that are and that are people that I believe really have moved in the power of the Holy Spirit. So much so many of the charismatic Christians in North America, you know, Canada, the US, um, I feel like they've been swept away by Christian nationalism in a way that is that just uh, baffles me. You know, I see people embracing this notion of the seven mountains, you know, where there's this view that's out there that states that, you know, Christians are going to be uh, put into these positions or we need to get ourselves into these positions of governing. And the kingdom of God is really about, you know, um, about the rule of law in a lot of ways. It's like right now, the politicization of the church is, is just widespread, you know, and couple days ago, I had a, a Pentecostal bishop, a friend of mine from Siberia. He was actually in the U.S. He's traveling around. And we met for lunch, and um, I just asked him what, you know, what he sees. And he says, oh, I'm just, he's so disturbed by how the church is so divided, you know, um, and the political spirit has really infected, you know, the North American church. And, you know, he's in Russia, and he's really disturbed by what's happening with you know, his own country's invasion of Ukraine. Um, that's been overwhelming him. And, you know, he's praying for his governing authorities and as a Russian Christian and as he should be. And, you know, he's clearly sees himself as, as really about the kingdom of God, which is a kingdom that is not of this world. And, uh, and yet that that's in the world, we're in the world, but not of the world. And so how is it that people who are so, committed to, you know, to being filled with the Holy Spirit can be so deceived when it comes to embracing approaches um, that involve violence, you know, um, even even the, the idea of protecting a homeland, 
um, you know, it's just it's just nowhere to be found in the Gospels. Jesus uh, is not speaking about that. And I think this is the problem when people talk about the Holy Spirit and they begin to be to claim to be led by the Holy Spirit when that spirit of, of you know, this Holy Spirit gets detached from the, the Jesus of the Gospels, who is alive now. And um, but his teaching is rooted in his um, three years of ministry when he, you know, walked the earth in, you know, in the land in Palestine, when that, uh, when the Holy Spirit is detached from, you know, the, the actual person of the incarnate uh, Jesus of Nazareth, then we have a problem. So, um, but if you look carefully at John's gospel, I think that problem is very, very brilliantly uh, addressed. And, um, and I think I want to, that's what I want to look at now. So Jesus in Matthew, in John chapter 14, calls the Holy Spirit the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. You know, that should be a clue right there. The world can't receive the spirit. And so if we're not receiving, um, you know, the, the, the spirit that is associated with Jesus, and we're resisting that because it just seems unrealistic, um, we need to, you know, we need to revisit, you know, kind of, um, I guess, how we view the Holy Spirit and, and, and how the Holy Spirit is um, with, I mean, is the Spirit that is associated directly and is God and uh, associated with the Father, the Son. Um, and there's a unity between the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so this, um, so Jesus says right here, the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him nor know him. But you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. And then Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Huh. So here Jesus is associating himself with the Holy Spirit or um, as separate in some way from the Holy Spirit. You know, um, when Jesus leaves, he says um, he's going to send the promise of the Father, you know, the Spirit and and I, I really believe that the, that we need this Holy Spirit, and but this Holy Spirit is not uh, disassociated from Jesus and his earthly ministry. So let's look a little bit at this idea of Jesus being with us, even though he leaves us. Um, if we look at the end of Matthew, okay, Matthew 28, Jesus says, um, all authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, all that I, Jesus, commanded you. And um, lo, I will be with you always. I will be with you, Jesus says, always to the end of the age. Wow. So Jesus himself will be with us, and yet... Um, this is Jesus in a different form, not in the visible uh, incarnate form, right? But it's it's different than the Holy Spirit. He's not mentioning the Holy Spirit here. He's mentioning himself. I also look at, um, let's look at Math, Mark chapter 16 at the very end. Um, Jesus is received up into heaven, verse 19, and he sits down at the right hand of God. And while they went out, and they went out and they preached everywhere, while the Lord worked with them. So the Lord, Jesus, 
who's just been described in verse 19. So then when the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and they preached everywhere, everywhere while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the words, the word by the signs that followed. Wow. Okay. So Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father in the heavenlies. And yet at the same time, he's working with them. Uh, Jesus uh, says, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. So, I mean, that whole question of how Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father and yet with us is, is, is a whole other question that we've been looking at, you know, with, um, in our Bible studies. And just, to, just a brief little footnote here in Ephesians chapter 2. It's really powerful because, um, you know, we're, the gospel is, is announced so beautifully here. You know, uh, Paul talks about how when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, in which we formerly walked according to um, the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. You know, he talks about that. And then he says, but God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you've been saved, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now, this is talking about us being seated prior to death. Now, in our uh, baptismal and ascended with at the right hand of the Father identity, you know, we're seated with Christ in the heavenlies. And at the same time, we are here walking the earth. And so we're seated with Christ in Christ. And that um, that's something we can be in heaven at the right hand of the Father and just walking about, going about our daily lives simultaneously. So anyway, that's a mystery for sure. So now if we look um, closer at John chapter 14, Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. After a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Wow, really? We will see you, Jesus? How will we see you? This is the, the term in Greek, the verb theoreo, which can be used as a word like to uh, uh, contemplate, you know, to observe. Um, it also has the meaning of just seeing in the natural. So it's, it's, I wish it was a little simpler. It's not just contemplative seeing, but it definitely seems to include that because here uh, Jesus isn't talking about appearing physically, right? After a little while, the world will no longer see me because he's, um, going to ascend to the Father. And he did, but you will see me. Because I live, you will live also. So that's that's a mystery, and I, I really want to learn to see. And, um, and I ask the Holy Spirit, now, Lord, open our eyes so that we can see you. And uh, unlike the world, we want to be able to see you and help us to be able to step away from that worldly blindness and to recognize that that we are blind and um, lord touch our eyes and open them so that we can see jesus says in verse 20 in that day you will know that i am in my father and you in me and i in you wow in that day we will know that jesus is in his father who is our father 
and uh, we are in him and he is in us. Okay, I, I really want to know that. I really want to experience that. This is what it looks like to be a disciple of Jesus and, um, and to be a son of the Father is, um, is to have that revelation that we are, that Jesus is in the Father and we are in him and he is in us. And then verse 21, the one who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me and that one who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and I will disclose myself to him. You know, this word um, commandment is a difficult word for many of us. I, I confess that it's really hard for me. Um, Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Well, uh, commandments, an order, Jesus giving us an order. Um, I don't know, that, that that language doesn't work for me so well. And yet, I really believe that here, you know, we need to go deeper and we need to understand the meaning of it. Um, the word entole in Greek can mean a charge, an injunction, an order, an instruction. Um, we were reading this yesterday with people in our faith community and many of whom have criminal backgrounds and people were all struggling with the idea of a commandment. And one of the people uh, suggested that maybe it means like a request. You know, um, if you love me, you will pay attention to my requests. And I, I like that. I, I found myself drawn to that. However, it seems like a commandment is stronger than just a request. It's more like a prescription, like an authoritative prescription, like a, a charge. Um, and it's an instruction. So the one who loves Jesus will, will keep, will observe his instructions. Now, interestingly, the word entele in the Gospels, um, pretty much in, in like in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, it is always referring to um, Scripture itself. So, um, you know, the, the law and the prophets are, are called the, you know, the entele, the, the commandments. Like, for instance, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 19, whoever annuls one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever keeps and teaches them will be called great. And just prior to that, Jesus says, you know, not the smallest letter or stroke shall pass from the law until all has been accomplished. So we're talking about the written word, the scriptures of the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament. And, of course, I'm referring to the Greek version of that because uh, I'm looking at the language of entole, that Greek term commandment in, this, in, the, in the Greek Bible. But I think it's, it's the same thing. You know, you have the Hebrew equivalent of commandment as well. But anyway, so Jesus, um, the rich young ruler comes to Jesus and says, what do I, what do I need to do, um, you know, to be saved? And Jesus says, to keep the commandments. And, uh, and the rich young ruler um, wonders what they are, and, and Jesus starts out, well, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery. It's interesting that he doesn't start out with, um, you shall love the Lord your God, I mean, uh, you shall not have any other gods before me, which which is the first of the commandments in Exodus 20, 1 through 17. But he starts out with, uh, you shall not murder, and you shall not, or I think you can read that, you shall not kill. And I think the the translator uses murder because 
Uh, that's part of the offense of Jesus's teachings and and even the Old Testament as well of uh, you know of just thinking that murder and, and killing are separate. Like killing is 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 okay, but of course murder is not. But anyway, so the very first one that Jesus announces there is uh, you shall not kill, and um, and then Jesus is asked what is what are the great what's the greatest commandments of the law and of course uh, he says you know love the lord your god with all your heart all your soul all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself he you know he winds it down to those two um jesus criticizes the pharisees for neglecting the commandments of god and holding to the tradition of people and so the commandments of god are are, are really associated with the written scriptures um, you know, so there's lots of examples of that. And, um, a podcast isn't the occasion for, you know, for giving you lists of, of, of scriptural passages, but I just want to look now at John's gospel because John's gospel uses the term entole slightly differently. It is referring to the written word, but Jesus, I think, um, wants his followers to understand that his words um, have the same quality of, 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 of even a greater authority. It's really interesting um, because it, it associates uh, the commandment, you know, with something that is really ab about the incarnation. It's, it's uh, you know, it's really the commandment is, is uh, well, let's look at it. Chapter 10 of John's Gospel, verse 18. No one has taken it, that is Jesus's life, away from him. No one has taken it away from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This commandment I receive from my Father. Wow, okay, so the commandment is associated here with uh, Jesus taking his life, giving his life up. And, um, you know, Jesus talks about earlier, you know, about how I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Same language there, right? And um, and it's Jesus giving of his life in love, which is really what Paul is uh, talking about when he, you know, when he writes in Philippians two, that Jesus didn't consider equality with God as something to be grasped, but he emptied himself and took on the form of a servant or a slave and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And so really, um, the commandment here is associated directly with Jesus' um, giving of his life. So in 1249, same thing. You know, Jesus says, For I did not speak on my own initiative, but um, the Father himself who sent me has given me a commandment as to what to say and to what, what to speak. And, um, and there we have, you know, Jesus... You know, Jesus wanting all of us to see that the Father and Him are allied. And so, you know, the, the Father, the creator of the universe, who was a giver of the law. And um, it's this Father who is giving Jesus a commandment uh, as to what to say and to what to speak. So this, the authority of Jesus' commandments are, are really strong. And that's what Jesus says, um, you know, in John chapter 4. He says, he who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. 
and the one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and disclose myself to him. Excuse me, that's 14.21. And, um, and so John is, um, is really wanting us to see that Jesus' commandments are something that are at the level of Scripture. They have the same authority as Scripture. And, and so when Jesus says in chapter 15, verse 10, If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and I abide in his love. And, um, and in 15.12, this is my commandment, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. I think that, um, you know, that's, that's really emphasizing for us that, you know, that love is really at the, at the heart of, of these commandments. And Jesus is the one who, his commandments are, you know, are, are something that I think trumps the commandments of, of the Old Testament. You know, Jesus, uh, following Jesus is, is, is letting him be the rabbi, you know, who, reveals the Father. No one comes to the Father except through me, Jesus says. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Now, what's interesting is it's not just Scripture itself that, um, that, that we're, um, you know, we're to refer ourselves to, but also to the living word. And this term commandment in, in the Greek Bible doesn't exclude hearing the voice of God directly. Like, look at Exodus 15, 26. You will indeed hear the voice of the Lord your God and do things pleasing before him and will hear his commands and keep his ordinances. And if you do that, you know, no disease will, you know, will afflict you for I am the Lord who heals you. So he talks about how to avoid the diseases that afflicted the Egyptians. You know, we need to be hearing the voice of the Lord and, um, you know, and, and, and practicing his commands and ordinances. So really, it's both and paying attention to the written word and the living word. So um, let's just look a little bit closer then at chapter 14. So Jesus says, um, In that day you will know that I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. The one who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. Okay, so how do we, how do we have Jesus's commandments and practice them? I believe that, you know, studying the, the Gospels and really knowing Jesus, his teaching, and um, seeking to practice his teaching, is really essential for our life. And this is something that can correct us from um, a disassociation between the Holy Spirit and the actual life and practice and teaching of Jesus. You know, in the Gospels, we see Jesus consistently choosing to love his enemies, and he gives his life up, right? Um, he lays it down uh, as, um, you know, to save humanity. You know, uh, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. So, the way that the Father reveals himself is as giving of his life. And he calls us to follow um, the giver of life, himself and, and his son, into the uh, in, in terms of our practice. And that should be what orients us 
when we you know, when we think about politics, when we you know think about our action in the world, you know we mustn't ally ourselves with with the world and the things of the world and the practices of the world, the mindsets of the world, which involve self-defense, you know, with uh, weaponry, which involved, um, you know, arming people. I mean, you know, this whole emphasis right now on um, that the U.S. U.S. foreign policy with you know, the Biden administration is is arming, you know, the Ukrainian military just uh, with billions of dollars worth of weapons that are killing Russian soldiers who are human beings, young people that are recruited um, into the army. And, and of course, that's, um, that's so that the Ukrainians can protect themselves. But the Ukrainians continue to be targeted, targeted by the Russians. And, and so we're just fueling the, the, the death of Ukrainians and Russians by, you know, by being all about weaponry. And, and it's natural for the nations to seek to do that. But Christians, followers of Jesus, we must completely uh, practice another way. We must be about another way, the kingdom of God, which is uh, in we're in the world and not of the world. We 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 must be rooted in the, the practices and the teachings, the commandments of Jesus, who says, you know, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you, bless those who curse you, and um, and we and Jesus models uh, being the good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep, not um, not through you know, taking out his machine gun and mowing down a bunch of uh, wolves, but through actually uh, letting himself be taken into custody and um, and giving himself through death on the cross. And um, so let's look a little bit closer at some of these verses. So Jesus says, The one who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And that one who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love that one and will disclose myself to that one. Wow. So Jesus um, is talking about us being in this rapport of love by the father when we're, when we're actually practicing his teachings. The father will love us and, will, and Jesus himself will disclose um, himself to us. And wow, do we ever need that today? We need uh, Jesus to disclose himself to us. Uh, verse 22, Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, what then has happened that you're going to disclose yourself to us and not to the world? Okay, so we shouldn't be surprised if the world doesn't uh, embrace the way of Jesus. Um, you know, I guess Judas is wondering why that's the case. But and I think it's critical to, to know that we should expect the world to not see things the way that followers of Jesus do. And there's going to be, um, you know, an offense that the world's going to take at, uh, at Jesus's way. And, um, and it, and at us, if we embrace the way of Jesus, but Jesus goes on in verse 23, Jesus answered and said to him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our abode with him. So that's the term, um, if anyone loves me, he will keep my logos, which I think is once again attached to the, um, to the teaching and the practice of Jesus, both. Okay, because the word, the logos, becomes flesh and dwells among us. And, uh, but that term logos can also mean instruction. The one who does not love me does not keep my words. 
and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. So it's there's a continuity between Jesus and the Father and the Spirit. These things I have spoken to you while abiding with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Wow. So see the Holy Spirit, who the Father sends in the name of Jesus, will teach us everything and bring to remembrance all that Jesus has said to us. So if what we claim to be the Holy Spirit is inspiring um, acts of violence, you know, ways of of resisting evil in the world that are out of keeping with the way Jesus teaches us to resist evil and the way Jesus himself resisted evil, which was through self-giving, you know, love through the cross. Okay, then there's a problem there. And this should be core to how we discern, you know, how we're to think about politics, how we're to think about our, our own uh, discernment of the times that we're living in right now. You know, so um, when we think about, you know, the Russian-Ukrainian situation, or we think about um, even some of the issues in our country, you know, where uh, there's the polarization between the left and the right around, uh, you know, what should become law. You know, um, Jesus was never about uh, reforming laws, you know, and that's not to say that we shouldn't be involved in, in justice issues. However, I think that can be such a distraction because really what Jesus is trying to do is connect us um, with his own teaching and with his living word. And it's that living word that is in complete continuity with um, his teaching that is written, you know, his sayings that are written down in the gospels and and also the, you know, the, all, the whole of scripture. You know, it's that, um, that instruction, those commandments that should orient followers of Jesus. And, and not anything else, you know. And I mean, that should, that should be at a higher plane than, than any of the, you know, the, you know, the, the ways that we try to, uh, I guess, change the world through legislation and, and, and everything of the sort. So we want to be bearers of, of a kingdom that is not of this world, and yet that is direct, directly, um, you know, engaged in the world, uh, showing God's love in relational, you know, um, in, qual in the qualities of our relationships with one another, you know, caring and respecting and, and, and just uh, forgiving and blessing. You know, we want to be um, peacemakers, you know, agents of peace in the world. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you, not as the world. You know, the peacemaking um, way of Jesus is not like the United Nations peacekeepers or NATO um, troops. No, it is not like that at all. It is not like the world, the peace that Jesus uh, offers as the Prince of Peace. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful, Jesus says. So um, there's one more little um, area that I think needs to be explored here. You know, if we look back at chapter 14, verse 10, Jesus says, um, you know, he's addressing Philip, who, um, who's wanting to know um, 
the way to the Father, and he's saying, I am the, you know, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And, and then Philip wants Jesus to, to show him the Father. And Jesus says, have I been with you so long, and you still haven't come to know me, Philip? The one who's seen me has seen the Father. Um, and then he goes on, do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? Okay, so that continuity between the, you know, the, the God creator of the, of the world, the, the God of the Old Testament, and Jesus himself as the incarnate son is, uh, is something that, you know, that Philip is, Jesus is challenging Philip with, don't you believe, you know, that the Father is in uh, me and I'm in the Father? Then he says, the words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own initiative, but the Father abiding in me does his works. Okay, now, this is interesting because the term here, words, isn't logos and it isn't entole. It's not, um, you know, it's different. It's the word rema. Okay, um, Jesus says, um, you know, that, that the words that he says, he doesn't speak on a, his own initiative, but the Father who's abiding in him does his works. And so interesting, rema in terms of uh, like words or utterance and works seem to be um, unified right there, don't they? Um, if we look a little bit at just the term rhema and what does it mean? It's, um, it's interesting how in the gospels, it's, it's really talking about the living word um, that comes to us uh, through prayer and through just, um, engaging with God in, in our day-to-day. -day. So um, Jesus, when he's being tempted by the devil, you know, he says, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word, rhema, that proceeds from the mouth of God. And so it's really talking about the prophetic word. You know, um, when Jesus speaks to Peter and says, you know, um, before the cock crows three times, you will deny me. Later, when Peter does deny Jesus, he remembers the word that Jesus had spoken. So the word seems to be um, often associated with prophecy. You know, like um, when Mary was prophesied over by the angel about uh, bearing a son. And, you know, she remembers the word. And, um, and then um, the word is also associated with, you know, with an event. So um, when the... You know, when the um, shepherds are out in the fields and, you know, and the angels come and there's this announcement of the birth of Jesus, they say, let us see this thing that has happened. That's the word rhema, this word. Um, and so then they go to see and they see Jesus, um, baby Jesus, right? And so um, rhema has to do with a prophetic word. Like um, in John chapter 3, verse 2, it says, The word of God came to John in the desert. And um, another example would be when Jesus is with the disciples, before their disciples, when, you know, he's teaching on, at the Sea of Galilee. And he gets into Peter's boat and then um, asks Peter to push him out from the shore. And then he says, uh, Peter, you know, cast your nets into the deeper water. And... Um, Jesus, uh, Peter says, um, look, you know, master, we, we fished all night and didn't catch anything, but I will do as you say. Um, that's the word rema and let the nets down. And so it's that, um, you know, it's that word that leads to, you know, the breakthrough 
you know, the, the nets that are just uh, over, I mean, just bursting with fish. Um, you know, Jesus um, wants to speak to us living words that actually are, uh, you know, prophetic words. And if you look at, um, you know, um, I love this text, for he whom God has sent speaks the words of God, for he gives the Spirit without measure. And um, and Jesus associates those words, these rema, with, um, actually with the scriptures even, in John chapter 5, verse 40, 47, he says, but if you do not believe his, that is Moses' writings, how will you believe my words? And, um, you know, and Peter says, you know, Lord Jesus, you know, you have the words of eternal life. And, um, and in chapter 8 of John, Jesus says, the one who is of God hears the words of God, the rhema of God. And finally, in John 15, verse 7, if you abide in me, in my words, rhema, abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. So Jesus wants us to be in this place where we're deeply rooted in um, in the commandments, in the, you know, the entole, where we're uh, rooted in the teachings of Jesus and the logos um, of his teaching when he walked the earth, and yet filled with the Holy Spirit and receiving the disclosures, the, the revelations from the Spirit. And the Spirit will bring uh, to memory the teachings of Jesus. And at the same time, God is uh, actively communicating revelation to us. And when we abide or remain in Jesus and, and we let his rema, his words, abide in us, and we're moving in the flow of, of discerning what God is saying, um, which is in complete continuity with Jesus' um, actual teachings in the Gospels, then Jesus says, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. And, and I sure want to experience that, and I'm sure you do too. So let's pray. God, I ask that you would help us to be able to step into this deeper communion with, um, with Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the Father. Lord, show us how to, um, how to really draw from your beautiful teachings in the Gospels and, um, and also just the amazing scriptures that we have in the Old Testament. We ask, that, uh, Father in heaven, that you would um, help us to be able to read those scriptures uh, with Jesus as our rabbi on the road to Emmaus, that you would uh, give us understanding um, into those difficult passages, which sometimes seem to be contradicted by Jesus' teachings. But Lord, just help us um, to be able to really hold fast to your teachings, Jesus, as, um, as the teachings that are, um, are given to us for, you know, for, for the purpose of, of just uh, moving forward and announcing the kingdom and being about the kingdom of God, uh, where you, Jesus, are the King of Kings. Help us. And Holy Spirit, we ask for your uh, strong presence to guide us and to keep um, disclosing to us uh, the things that you want us to, to know and the living words, the rema, so that we can see um, your works manifested through our ministries, through our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.